I have a good friend that I've known for a while now. He's one of those friends that I don't spend a whole lot of time with, but I generally see him at least once a week, and I really do like him a lot. I like him a lot because he's one of those friends of mine who's known me long enough to not be afraid to joke with me and to give me a hard time ever so often with a smile on his face and a twinkle in his eye. And I can always count on this friend of mine to poke me a bit when it comes to my vocation as a priest in the church, which I tend to appreciate because the Lord only knows that we priests in the church set ourselves up often for a good poke and a good challenge. One of the things this friend of mine really likes to challenge me on is the topic of how long church needs to run on a Sunday morning. And more precisely than that, just how long my sermons add to the overall length of a Sunday morning church service. Being a good friend who grew up in the Roman Catholic family, he is a Christian who, just like my beloved Irish Catholic father-in-law, is absolutely convinced that the best sermon is the short sermon. From the, thank you for saying right. I shall note that, Georgia Isaac. From this very good and solid perspective and upbringing, brevity in all things, especially preaching in the church, should not only be recommended, but should always be aspired to by we ministers of the church. The Protestant acclamation of the 17th, 18th, and 19th centuries toward extended, excursive preaching from this understanding is just downright inconsiderate for the person sitting out in the pews. And besides that, who really can ever expect to remember what a preacher says after five minutes on the Tuesday after the Sunday anyway? Why not just keep it short and sweet and provide the hardworking parishioner, which is you, a brief exegesis, the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, and wrap it all up for heaven's sake? Well, I have to say that I can take this good-intentioned ribbing like this because, frankly, I will be the first to admit that as a preacher, my sermons, I don't want to hear anybody say anything after this, my sermons can sometimes run a bit longer than the average sermon you find in the Episcopal Church of today, which is between 9 to 11 minutes. And I have come to terms with the simple fact that I am who I am, which is a Southern preacher. And that Southern inclination of storytelling is part of who I am. Sometimes every now and then, those stories told by me can run a little longer than intended and might even meander just a bit. Not that that happens often, but I am perfectly willing to admit that sometimes my old Southern Baptist snake-handling holiness upbringing kicks in and I might run a bit long. Of course, I've told my friend many a time, and I've told my father-in-law, they are to have grown up in the churches I grew up in, in the eastern Appalachian Mountains of Kentucky. Those sermons were long, 30 to 45 minutes on average. And I can take this challenge because, frankly, my friend has a good point. Why not just cut the sermon short and let folks get on with their day? I mean, if you've been coming to this church long enough, You've already heard all the Bible readings before. What else is there really to say? 
And why not get to the point and not run the risk of putting anyone to sleep? And my friend certainly is not out of step with the rest of the culture in 21st century America. Nobody, not even the Baptists, like to have to wait for anything these days. When we go to the grocery store, nearly, nearly all of us like to get in, get what we came for, and get through the checkout without having to wait in line. That's totally where I am when I go to the grocery store. And when we sit down for lunch or dinner in a restaurant, who doesn't get a little antsy when someone doesn't come and take your drink order within the first couple of minutes? That's me. The American mindset today is all about keeping up with set times because the American mindset and the American life, face it, is greatly overbooked. We want to know how long it's going to take to learn to do something. We want to get our workout in within 30 minutes, so please, God, don't let the train stop us this morning. We want meetings and movies and parties that we're invited to to start on time. So why wouldn't we want our church service to follow the same pattern? Keep the sermon short, the announcements shorter, and we can wrap up on time to keep our long-standing tradition of beating the Baptist down the street to lunch and making it to that Jags game in time to park and get to your seats. But here's the problem, and you know, my friend knows, there's a problem coming. We go to the grocery store to get bread and milk. We go to lunch to eat our daily bread. We go to movies to be entertained. Why is it that we come to church? What is it that you are here to do? What is it that we come to this holy place to receive each and every Sunday? You might say to me that you come to church to get fed, and that's a great answer. But that which we seek to get fed by in the church isn't exactly the same thing that we are fed by when we stop by Publix or go to Metro Diner. Maybe you might say that you come to church to pray. That's another great answer. But to pray, if we understand what Christian prayer has meant for two millennia, is intended to be an action of speaking with and listening to God. Now, I don't know about you, but if you have a meeting set up to speak with and listen to another person in a meaningful way, a quick in and out and a quick, a quick in and out plan is ridiculous. And finally, you might say that you come to church to worship. I hope that's what you come to church to do. But think about this. If you're coming to a place to actually worship something, meaning you're in that space to pay ceremonial homage, reverence, and even adoration to something, that would have to mean that when you're in that space for worship, you're in the presence of something incredible and something divine. Because we human beings don't admit to worshiping anything. We might be willing to admit to being big fans of something or someone, but that isn't exactly worshiping, is it? Maybe we're big fans of a sports figure or a movie star or a leader. Maybe it's someone you've worked with or followed all your life. Maybe it's a teacher or a mentor. Maybe it's a family member. Still, even if we don't call it worship, I bet that when you finally had your moment, or you get that moment to be in the presence of that special person. You never place that time with them in the same category as a trip to the grocery store or to have lunch. 
So now take just a second to consider this. If the one thing the church gives you each Sunday is time to be in the presence of God, your creator, if what you are here for is to be fed by the word of God that can still speak to you in your life and struggles right here and right now, if what you've came here to get is nothing short of hope in the face of the darkness in that world outside, or one love that can be offered to you freely without judgment or presupposition, or forgiveness, or resurrection, or salvation, if those are the things that you're seeking for church, is that the same thing as the hard, overbooked life that you're living in all the rest of what you do outside? Brothers and sisters, I believe that if you remember all of that, when we think about our time here in the church, we might just have a change in the way we see it. And it might just begin to work hard to get your heart in rhythm with your spirit rather than your heart in rhythm with your overbooked and overextended heads. Jesus says this this morning, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. Don't let this salt in your life lose its taste. Jesus also says, you are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one after lighting a lamp puts it under a bushel basket, but on a lampstand and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Don't look at the church and ask the church how it can restore its saltiness and brighten its light. If the church is doing what it is supposed to be doing, it has all the salt and all the light that the world needs in the words of the Holy Scripture that are read and preached and in the physical actions and godly graces offered in the sacraments. Use the church to feed you, to give you your saltiness, to give you your light. And don't fret or worry about this holy time that you are spending once a week in the presence of God. Believe me when I tell you, that is what needs to be why we gather in this holy place in the presence of God, to be fed by the word, to offer the prayers and thanksgivings and spiritual songs and to worship the God, our Heavenly Father, who made us and sustains us and loves us. And if that's where you're coming to every Sunday morning and that's what you're longing for, I ask you, why would you ever be in a rush to leave? What could possibly in this hour be more important? There ain't no question that we preachers can go a little too long. But I have to tell you, sometimes we can't help it. We love God's Word so much. It's so hard to keep ourselves from talking about it. And we want to give that to you so you can be a light to shine in this dark world. As the psalmist says, hallelujah. Happy are they who fear the Lord and have great delight in his commandments. Amen.